This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. Hi, Katie. Hi, Jenna. Hey. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. We are so happy to have you back with us. Today, we are going to be adventuring into this week's revolutionary for a change topic, the future is female. If you don't already, you should be following us on Instagram to keep up to date with our latest podcast and blog news, as well as our personal journeys with attempting to live the most mindful life possible. Now, before I introduce our guest for today, Jenna, do you want to throw us the definition of the future is female? Happy to. My definition of the future is female. A contemporary movement toward true and absolute equality for females. This ultimately calls for a restructuring of patriarchal systems of politics, law, medicine, religion, education, and family structure to place female wisdom in its rightful leadership position. Right now, we are too balanced over toward the masculine dominance. So because of this, it is time for the collective female to rise. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Yeah. Well, well here said. we are. Very well said. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Well, so let's segue over here to Katie now. So we have a very special guest in this topic today, which is Katie Buckland. Katie served as executive director of the California Women's Law Center, a legal ad- advocacy group targeting the civil rights of women and girls. Prior to working with nonprofits, she enjoyed a career in politics and government, serving on Bill Clinton's presidential campaign and the Democratic National Committee. She has served as director for the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office and as a licensed attorney um, and, uh, and as a domestic violence prosecutor for the city of Los Angeles. She was appointed by Jerry Brown to the Commission on the Status of Women and Girls, and she currently serves as Executive Director of the Writers Guild Foundation. And we are very honored to have her with us to discuss this topic today. I'm happy to be here. Katie, drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) Boss lady in the house. Wow, you are seriously impressive. Well, thank you. And so, Katie, how did you choose to specialize in civil rights of women and girls? You were before your time a little bit. You know, it was just always a passion of mine. And the straight law sometimes is a little boring. I always like that intersection between law and politics. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the issues I worked on at first were issues I, I had personally experienced. Interesting. So whether we're talking about Title IX discrimination or access to reproductive freedom, they were just all things that really related to me. And I just, I just felt moved to really devote my career to that. And did you find at that time when you were going into that, that there weren't a lot of women with that special and it was sort of a gap in the market? Um, Even today, when you get to the leadership positions, there are just fewer women. Mm -hmm. So even in my organization that I now run, the Writers Mm -hmm. Guild Foundation, I am oftentimes the only woman in the room or sitting in a boardroom, particularly when it comes to something that's not traditionally a women's field. Yeah. Like my organization is tremendously progressive and we have progressive leadership. But for example, on the finance committee, it is still all men. Wow. So why do you think that is? Let's let's really break it down. Well, there are a number of factors. I think that women still have primary responsibility within the home. And a lot of people talk frequently about sharing child-rearing responsibilities and everything else that goes along with running a home. But women frequently end up really having the disproportionate share of the burden. 
women also have to work a little harder to stay competitive with men in the workplace. So when it comes time to their volunteer opportunities like this, my, my board of directors is a volunteer board of directors. And when it comes to their volunteer committees, they just don't have as much time as men do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you feel intimidated when you're sitting there with a whole group of men on the board and you're the only female in the room? Or are you like in your element? You know, I'm kind of in my element, yes, especially in that position, that. because it, I run this organization all day, every day, and boards of directors, they pop in and out. So I, I, no, I feel like I know what I'm talking about. I feel fine. About has, there, has there been a woman um, heading up this board before? Are you the first in that position? There was previously a woman executive director, but um, that was really before the organization was professionalized. Oh, cool. Well, hey. Wow. And how have you seen um, women's rights evolve in your lifetime over the course of your career? You know, for women in this country, things have gotten better and better in some ways. However, there's still a drastic pay gap. Even when you're comparing the exact same job to the same job, women still earn 69 cents to every dollar that men make. Every year, there's actually a holiday called Equal Pay Day, and I just, I hate it. Every time I see it on my calendar, I just think, for God's sakes, are we going to be celebrating this holiday forever? I, I hope that we get to a point where we make the same amount that men I make. Know. How are they having that as a holiday, celebrating it? Well, it's more it like a day of consciousness about okay, it. It's not, we're not celebrating it. It's a day of consciousness about it, but it's just, it's been going on forever. I, I mm-hmm. think that, that that particular day was named, I think, in 1925 or something. <gasps> Clearly, men are and making just, the rules. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, there are all these very subtle rules that, for example, in many states, an employer can require that people that work for them not discuss their salary. Wow. And that's really horrible because that way the women never know that the men are getting paid mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. So those laws are changing, but they're changing very slowly. And even when you get to things like women in sports, in fact, I just I, I just heard somebody speaking the other day who said, oh, Title IX, the, the part of the Civil Rights Act that gave women equal opportunity in sports, oh, that fixed everything. And it doesn't. At the California Women's Law Center, we still litigate all the time school districts that offer more opportunities to boys than to girls. And it's particularly important for low-income girls because sports are oftentimes a pathway to college. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people think it's silly. Like, oh, why? Or they think that Title IX destroys football or all of these other things. But it's really an important pathway to college for girls. And is Title IX only in regards to sport? No, it's everything. What it says is that educational institutions that take federal money, Mm -hmm. which is every single college and pretty much high school. There are some private high schools that don't take any money. But any public school has to offer um, equal opportunities to boys and to girls. The most clear example is usually sports. Okay. But it covers every single thing. It covers everything, right. And this is now California law. Yeah, I mean, it it was part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, so it's nationwide. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So while you were working in the field, um, what kinds of cases did you work with the most as like a lawyer for civil rights? Well, the California Women's Law Center is a policy center, and we do impact litigation. So it's not a direct service provider. We are not the place that people turn to if they are experiencing domestic violence and they need a restraining order, for example. So what we focused on was litigation that would change the law in some way. And it really broke down to pretty much three areas. The first was Title IX, girls Mm -hmm. in sports. The second was violence against women issues, whether it was dating violence, rape, you know, anything of that nature. And then the third was women's health and access to health care for women. Brilliant. And and so your organization fought for policy change within those three areas? Yes. And then was there any striking um, moment of victory or anything like a good story that came out of that? That you could tell us? Oh, there's so many, so many. Um, you know, 
when it comes to the violence against women or the healthcare work, a lot of it was just legislative changes where mm-hmm. something really small could help people, but it was very abstract. Mm-hmm. But in the Title IX cases, I can still remember almost every single girl that we litigated for. Wow. And they're just, um, it's amazing. It, it's a case that we helped with at the Supreme Court level. It didn't happen in California, but it was a case called um, City of Birmingham versus Ron Jackson. It went to the Supreme Court and it established that teachers have protection. They can't be fired for complaining about Title IX violations for their kids. And it involved this basketball coach from Birmingham. And the situation was just appalling. For example, the school district would buy uniforms for the boys, but not the girls. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the boys played first and then they took off their sweaty, stinky jerseys and gave them to the girls. No. Wow. That should be illegal. Yeah. It was. It is illegal. It is illegal. The school district just blatantly provided transportation to away games for boys and not girls. Wow. And what year and, was this? Uh, the case started a, a while ago. I think it started in 2001. Okay, but, but it still, took a long, long, long... Oh, yeah, the it's the modern, modern era. Yeah. Right, absolutely. It's not like 1960 wow. or anything. Yeah, yeah. And I, the thing that was encouraging is that the boys complained also. The boys didn't think it was fair to the girls. Yeah. At, At least really let the girls play first in the uniforms. Jeez. Right. One would think. <laughs> right. Right. But, and, and through all that, it was actually the girls' team that was the more winning team. Wow. The girls won the state championship a few times, and the boys from that school district had never won. Hmm. So the uh, coach finally, Rod Jackson, he finally complained about it to the school board. They fired him. <gasps> no way. Right. And so what the litigation was about was, does the school board have the right to fire somebody when they complain about Title IX violations, or is that a protected act, like any other whistleblower statute? I mean, it so clearly should be a protected act. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe that's even a question. But what is is the school's incentive with the board of directors to protect that money? yeah, to to, 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 to to protect the discrimination against the women. Like, why would they want that? Oh, because, especially in the South, and well, even here, one of the big cases we litigated was in San Diego. So it's not, it's really not just yeah, the South. It's pretty but South. It's pretty, <laughs> right, South, slightly South of us. South of here. They just, you know, they think that if there's a limited amount of money, that sports are really more important for boys than they are for girls. And one of the ways they get around it is they have parent booster clubs sometimes. And so the parents self-fund but it's still not legal. So you, you just can't have sports for boys and not girls. Hmm. So what other type of pushback do you get or have you experienced when you're fighting for these rights for women? Oh, it, it's really amazing. Um, anybody who's curious should look at a case that the law center did against the city and school district in Chula Vista. They were rabidly against us. And the judge who first looked at the case said to the school district, just settle. There's no triable case here. You will lose. So he would repeatedly order us to a mandatory settlement conference because there was no triable issue of fact. Mm -hmm. And they would just refuse to settle. And what was the details of that? They actually said in an open school board meeting, which is broadcast to everyone. So we would sit here in our office in Los Angeles and listen to the meeting happening. And they said, we're not going to let some big city feminists come and push us around. Do you count yourself as a feminist? Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. That, no, that's surprising you find that excellent. I, I can't think of very many women who well, don't think, that, think of themselves as a feminist. Well, do, do you want to describe to us what your definition of a feminist is? It means that men and women should be treated equally. Excellent. Because I think there's a little... Um, people get confused between someone... Uh, as a feminist, I know that a lot of people think that they're more about, obviously, female rights, but not necessarily equality, more so f- 
like female should be running the show. And that's, I wanted to get clear on that for today's title as well. Because my response to that was that in order for us to have equality, females need to rise. So that's why it's focused on the female. Yeah, and, and that ties into what a feminist is. Absolutely. Clearly. That's Absolutely. great. I'm 120% in support of that behind that. I'm a feminist. <laughs> if, if that's a fact, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so they had called you big city feminists in yeah. their open board meeting. Yeah. And wow. what was it that they were trying to do that was illegal in their school district? Oh, um, the boys had all sorts of things the girls didn't have. The, it all was, sports stuff. Uh, it, well, we just focus on one because it's easier to litigate. And the one that is really pretty easy, the easiest to litigate is baseball versus softball because mm. it's essentially the same game. Mm-hmm. And the boys had the better playing schedule. The girls played in the mud. They had to play in the spring when the field was always closed. There was one field at, at school. The other one was some distance away. The boys had the right to use the closer field. The boys' field was maintained better. The boys had better uniforms. The boys had a whole clubhouse. The girls had to change into their practice clothes in a leaking, rusty shipping container that was in a public park. Mm. Oh, my God. It right. just gets worse and worse. Yeah, worse and worse. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's hard, a recent case. Yeah, the hard thing wow. about this is that that generation of boys, those young men, are being conditioned to think that this is acceptable and normal. And that can be right. setting an impression in their perspective on women and men for mm-hmm. the rest of their lives. Right, right. It's really, it's right. dangerous. Absolutely. And it's so subtly ingrained that it's even more dangerous because it's not, it's so subtle, like... It's just claiming it as acceptable, right? This type of, yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. So eventually they lost the case and then you have to pay people to litigate these. So we're entitled to our, our fees when we lose. And there's actually a brilliant ninth circuit decision on it that really explains why if you don't pay people what they would make in a law firm, nobody's going to do this kind of work. So we already had a perfect decision establishing our billing rate and they appealed and appealed and appealed, which means they're just increasing yeah, how much they owe us. And it went right. on for years and years and years and years and years. And they just, what did they think? They Someone would forget about her? Or they get a, ju- a judge that was know. sympathetic to them? Or but There really aren't any judges. It was so clear on the law. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The first judge was really elderly. I thought, we thought maybe they were kind of waiting for him to die or something. Mm. But the next judge who was going to take over would have the exact same view because it was crystal clear. Yeah, it's just the rule of law. I right. Guess. And at the end of the day, fixing the field would have cost them a couple hundred thousand dollars. You know, not expensive, but not that big a deal. They ended up owing about $6 million. <gasps> Yeah, they spent $6 million defending something. Defending mm-hmm. something. That's yeah. immoral. Wow. Right. It is and of public money. That it's is absolutely crazy. atrocious. It really is. Do yeah. any of these people you see in these ridiculous cases flat out claim that they it's a sexist perspective or do they pretend it's about money. something else? Money or... Oh, they usually say that girls aren't as interested in sports as boys. And that... That's ridiculous. It, they're taking a survey, and the surveys say things like, do you want to play on the football team? And, you know, more boys are conditioned to think that they can play football than girls. So they think that what they're doing is offering the services that people want. But particularly in low-income communities where they have very little access to college, mm-hmm. and a lot of these girls that we worked with, they were the first generation to ever go to college. And that can be their ticket to college. It that is their ticket to college. That's why we care. Mm-hmm. It, and by every measure, the girls are just healthier. They attend college at a higher rate, fewer teen pregnancies, fewer substance abuse issues, better body image. It's just healthy for them all around. But when you're serving a group of ninth graders, they don't know that. Mm. So the idea that you just offering that you offer what they want 
is just ridiculous. Hmm. Definitely. And I can see you've obviously worked out that getting in on this level, the school level, is what's going to affect what's showing up in the adult world with who's running what offices and who's in what place in regards to female male. So you're definitely in the right place to try look for legislative get equality. Young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's our future. Yeah. And one of the things that the California Commission on the Status of Women works on is STEAM education, science, technology, engineering, art, now mm-hmm. they've added, and math. Mm-hmm. And the programs that are really effective focus on fourth and fifth graders because that's where girls start deciding they can't do math mm. or it's not cool or they don't want to look weird in class. So that's where the drop-off so is, fourth and fifth grade. Wow. Yeah, I'm lucky to say I always thought math was cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but also I, I, you went to the type of school that... It was it was cool to be smart. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's, that's very true, actually. It really makes yeah, a big difference. Yeah. It does. So how do you feel about the Futures Female Me Too and the Time's Up movements? What's your take on those? Oh, I think it's great. I think time is up. <laughs> I do. I <laughs> time's think it's, been up for a while. Time's been up for clearly. a long time. And it just, just for the listeners to know, we are taping this on the day that Harvey Weinstein was yeah. actually appeared in court this morning. Yeah. All right. Got arrested. Yep. Got, he arrest- got arrested. He appeared in court. He pled not guilty to sexual assault. And I, that has been a long time coming. It really has. And Bill Cosby recently went down, and the laws are changing. People are learning to speak up, and I'm, I'm just so glad. Are you just like giddy when you hear decisions like that? I, am. I really am. I really am, honestly, particularly Bill Cosby, because there was no doubt that in the previous trials, the jurors believed the woman. It's just the law wasn't on their side. That's the problem. What do you believe has shifted as a society to get us to have gotten us to this place where this is becoming... Finally. Yeah, we're finally speaking up about it and yeah, seeing movement towards more women's rights and equality. What do you think has shifted to get us here? I I think it really started with Hillary Clinton's defeat. That was was actually one of the worst days of my life. Absolutely horrible. Just horrible that this country with the best qualified female candidate ever could not meet, beat the least qualified. <laughs> oh my least gosh. qualified. It's, so it's depressing. shocking. It's, it's just shocking. shocking. And I, I think that that defeat is something that just enraged women mm. and it just led people to start speaking out. And really? you know, when so many people thought Hillary was going to win and then for her not to win and then in, to have Donald Trump, right. dare I say the name right. that shall not be mentioned. And for, then yeah. it's like people are, have this feeling of like, we're not just going to take this. Right. Like we're right. not just going to sit here. Right. Especially right. So, so close to such a huge move in the right direction. Right. Right. Yeah. And he represents Absolutely. the opposite. He represents the patriarchy and the men just thinking they can get away with whatever. He's the worst. Yeah, I mean, so. you have a president who actually talked about pussy grabbing on a tape. <gasps> oh and the best qualified female candidate can't beat that. You know, and I know there were a lot of people that didn't like her because they were saying, oh, you know, she's so, you know, oh, the emails, oh, Benghazi. But I just find that to be infuriating and just really naive. And I just don't think that, um, you know, everything you do in public life, you accumulate a little bit of crap. Mm, you just do. Of course. Even like the Commission on the Status of Women, it's the most, it, it, it's just fun, it's insightful, it's innocuous. And every once in a while I say something in one of those meetings that pisses somebody off and I get some nasty letter. It's just the way it is. So you're just, there is no... Amish woman right now driving her buggy who's never been involved in politics who's going to wake up and say, oh, I'm going to run for president. That woman does not become the nominee of a major party. Hmm. So we're never going to have somebody who doesn't have, you know, things like, you know, things that can be really blown out of proportion. It's just distressing. 
even the fact that Hillary was in running to be our president just shows me how progressive America is, really. Well, it took long enough. I mean, there have been Muslim countries that have had women leaders already. Well, 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 that's, well, I want to ask you about where is the rest of the world in regards to the shift into equality with women compared to America? I mean, some countries are ahead of us and some are way behind. That's where it is. Are there any countries that you can we can look towards that you would say do a good job of? I know I have one in mind. I have some in mind. A whole region of the world, Finland. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know. Everybody's going to say Scandinavia. Yeah. yeah, all the Scandinavian right. countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty advanced in environmentally, politically. So many systems. They the mental are. health system. Socially, they really are so progressive. They really are. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that as a model for uh, for us. Though. Yeah, there's some real fun. There. Principles that this country was founded on. So, what, like, can you go a little further into what you mean by that? Well, I mean, there's this American ideal that we're allowed to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. And that's not part of the Scandinavian culture so much. So, for example, mandatory paternity leave. You know, that's part of Scandinavian culture that men take paternity leave too. Mm -hmm. And that is not, that's not something that's ever going to fly here. There's just not. You think we're just too capitalist? No, they do, but the, they the can, issue is... They but sh- are they forced to? And um, they never do. They never take it. In my law firm that, that I worked true. in, not one, not one man ever took paternity leave. Would they that's get a paid? very American In your law firm, would they have gotten paid for taking paternity well, leave? Well, the Family Medical Leave Act pays... Yeah, they can so they both would. apply. Under It's not the law firm paying them. It's the Family Medical Leave Act, requ- either requiring the law firm to pay it or using state disability funds. And it's just not something that... Our culture is never going to accept forcing them to do it. And do you think they don't do it because they want to work or do you think they don't do it because they think they need to work or they're going to be weak and then someone's going to replace them in their position? Yeah. What? They think it'll take, it'll take them off the partner track. And I mean, also, let's face it, staying home with a newborn is really not that great. Mm-hmm. It's really not. It's, no, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not, not that great. The men are running out the door in the morning, <laughs> to be honest. They're like, woohoo, good woo-hoo. luck. I'll right. see you at nine, yeah. nine hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they always say it's like, then you know, I'll hold the kid for half an hour and they'll call me a great dad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's true. Right. So then, I mean, they don't really want to do it. And I get it. I, I, but it, it's important. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hear you on that. But some, some good things from Scandinavia, but wouldn't really fly in America. What, what, what would you like to see fly in America? What do you think would be a good possible solution for us if there is one or if that could even be answered? Oh, I want to do over on that whole last election. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I want. A time machine? Go back I want time. a time machine. I want to go back. I want to do over on that. I just, you know, I'll just never forget looking at the faces. There, there was actually mm-hmm. some women that I, young girls that I know who were on the news at that moment. They were at the Clinton headquarters when she was giving her concession speech. In fact, there was a a girl um, that went to high school with my son who had deferred college to work on the Clinton campaign. And she's just phenomenal. She's really smart. She works really hard. She's really funny. And I always joked with her parents that she could grow up to be the second woman president because we thought we would have one. You know. Well, maybe she'll and be the first. Maybe she'll be the first, but just the look on her face while Hillary was giving her concession speech was just agony. Mm. And her dreams are just dashed. And it's it's going to take a long time to get over that because really there's nobody else in the pipeline. Well, if, if Hillary... Um, was president, had been elected, what do you think would be different, like in terms for women's rights? Oh, I think that all of those young girls would see that it's possible. And is Absolutely. that really the most powerful thing, or do you think there would have been, would be policy change? Oh, I mean, yeah, we would have logical policy. I mean, just look at foreign policy. I mean, today was also just laughable. It, it, Trump canceled the summit with the North Koreans, right? So he canceled it, 
And then he said a couple hours later, well, you know, game playing is part of life. <gasps> oh my like, gosh. Like you're playing with nuclear war right. and our yeah. freaking right. whole planet. Right, so. exactly. And what my son was said was like, God, you know, that might be good dating advice that you expect <laughs> that to hear somebody who's t- telling 14 year olds how to date. You don't <gasps> expect to hear world leaders. I know. It just makes no sense. He cancels it. And then he basically says that was a joke. And yeah. he like tweets it's crazy. it. Too, he tweets it's it. a joke. Like, right. That, that position of president is so much more powerful than people give it steam for like really programming like it can yeah. show young people what's possible what's not how to behave how not to behave right. what flies right. wow right. so yeah. you're saying if 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 hillary became president then that would break down that idea that men have to be ruling the world and yeah. making the calls and yeah. a whole new paradigm really of possibilities yeah. for women yeah. I wonder how it would have affected the Me Too Time's Up movement mm. if Hillary had been president, because I feel like that might have been somewhat of a backlash from her losing and then Trump getting in. It's just interesting. We will never know. We'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure we would have had the Me Too movement. I think women would have had other other ways to fix their problems. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I guess that's kind of a good... I we'll see. We'll I mean, see we're if, always looking for the good, right? What we're can always we looking do? for the good. Always looking for the good. So how but, far off do you think we are from creating a system that supports the equality between men and women? I, I Next lifetime? To, I hesitate to even answer that. <laughs> I, we're pretty far off. We're pretty far off. And yeah. do you think we just need to throw out the old pipes and repipe the whole system? Or do you think like there's a way of fixing it? Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I think... When you're talking about the Me Too movement, you're talking about the entertainment industry in particular. It's a very daunting task because there's an idea in the writer's room that creativity is important and collegiality is important. So people hire their friends. They have a good time. You know, Mm -hmm. writing TV is a team sport. And it's very different from writing features where a lot of times you're, you know, you're at home, you're by yourself. But television, which is where it not only reflects our values, but it shapes our values. And there's actually a California Supreme Court decision that says that the writer's room is protected, that it had to do with a a writer's assistant on the show Friends many years ago who felt that she was sexually harassed because of all the sexual banter. And the court said it's a creative enterprise. So it's it's a boy. It is somewhat of a boys club. And I see I do see change. I do. Um, Just last weekend, we hosted our veterans writing workshop for the weekend. And these are a mix of male and female veterans. They are not your typical people that grew up to be television writers. A number of them grew up in foster care. They emancipated. The choice they had was to join the military. Wow. And they're brilliant. It's a very competitive process to get in. Not all of them, but a good number of them. And they are getting into the writing room, usually the first time because of their military experience. Hmm. But after that, they're hired on other shows, sometimes that are not military shows, and they bring this entirely different background. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, one of the women graduates from our program just wrote her first episode of Grey's Anatomy. Yay. Yay. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where I feel positive and I see change. Yeah, we're getting there. I step think, by step. I think we are getting there. You know, the fact that we're even recording this podcast, that this is a topic that people are interested in, like that shows... We are moving somewhere. Yeah, we do, are. Do you think we're further ahead than we've ever been as a society in history, or do you think there was a time where there were more equal rights? Uh, well, I mean, history, that's kind of painting with a broad brush. So that there have been matrilineal tribes before like in history. The Amazon? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there have, been, there have been a few that where it was actually a matriarchy. Um, but if you're talking about history from the Industrial Revolution till now... Um, some countries are farther ahead and some are pretty much the same. I, you know, what, what is 
members of the Senate, I think we're at 6%. I mean, that's kind of pathetic. Yeah. You know? And do you think it's because women want to be in there, but they're just not allowed to be? Or do you think it's because they don't, they, they haven't been let more men are applying? more men are interested. Well, I think that you have to decide that you're going to be something like a U.S. senator really, really early in life. Mm-hmm. And I think the pathways are there and the pipelines are there for men. Mm. They, there's a real tradition of men mentoring other men. Mm-hmm. And we're catching up. But even in one of the most progressive offices I ever worked in, there was still opening day at the Dodger game. And there were probably 10 tickets every year. And it was always all the men. Wow. And I would kind of complain a little bit. You can't complain too much or you're completely ostracized. But they'd be like, yeah, but these are the people that love baseball. And it's like, well, why is that? It's because dads take their sons to the baseball game. Mm. So, yeah, it's changing. But there are formal ways that men mentor younger men. And then there are informal ways. We've got a ways to go in that. And the systems just seem to be so deeply rooted in male dominance in those type of areas. Yeah. So people, there's no men room the, for women yeah. to get into that system and, and men get a made position. the system. They, yeah. they made our, a lot of our systems. And so one question we have is how would these systems look? How would our world political and et cetera systems look if they had been formed by women instead of men? Do you think that would change things and how, if so, just to, just I, to throw that out there. You know, I think, I mean, it's hard to print with a broad brush about all men and all women, mm-hmm. but I will say women are more collaborative. It's in our DNA. It's evolutionary. Mm-hmm. Remember, I mean, women were the ones that a long time ago when we were just cave people, their job was to be a hunter-gatherer and to take care of the children. And the women did that as a team. Mm -hmm. And the men, they did hunt as a team also. But hunting a lion with a spear is a really different activity for the day than kind of watching everybody else's children and hunting and gathering and taking care of these things. So for thousands of years, women have worked better as a team. And I really see that in organizations that are led by women. It is really more of a team game Mm -hmm. than it is the organizations that are led by men. It would be entirely different. And like, uh, can I just add to that, that um, also women, I think, are also very intuitive, like Mm -hmm. more intuitive, um, less sort of linear in, you know, just the logical process connected to their heart, more connected to their heart, more able to sort of move in the moment, um, intuitively in the moment. Also, um, what what other points? I like that community factor creates a sense of, I'm going to look after you. There's, it's not a separation syndrome. It's more, I I can see less wars and more, um, you know, global togetherness with that attitude. On that note too, it's like women are mothers, you know, and with the heart of a mother and not to say the heart of a father couldn't be the same, but for the heart of a mother, you don't want to see another child killed. You don't want to see war and and starvation Mm, and pain because you know as a mother like how that must feel compassion and empathy yeah compassion and empathy right so i i agree with you guys i think that we would have more communal intuitive and loving systems (laughs) just let us get in there i mean it's scientific it's it's you know exposure to oxytocin right it's the bonding chemical and holding a newborn baby whether you gave birth to that baby or you adopted or it's a friend's baby that skin-to-skin contact does increase oxytocin and that changes your brain over time. So there you go. Yeah, it, it's just it's also a, a connection brain. to another human, which yeah. rewires your perception on other humans. Oh, absolutely. I was just in my Instagram post this week. I was just saying, I was just remembering that first week that I ventured out of the house after giving giving birth. I was, my reality had shifted so dramatically yeah. Yeah. just in that week that I went outside and every person I walked past. I saw them as a miracle. 
And yeah. it was such yeah. a precious blessing to this world because I had just experienced that yeah. in the human I had just birthed. And yeah. I think that as much as men can learn to open their heart and to connect to people like that, there is something very um, deep and intrinsic and just natural for women to move into that place, that connectedness with, with other humans after motherhood. And I think raising a child, it, it, it really... Um I hate to scare you nice young women who are still all bright and shiny. <laughs> no, don't bring but it on. We've been through it. Dark Night of the Soul. Mm, don't worry. No. Uh, bring it to us. Well, not like you have when you're raising a teenager, let me tell you. Uh-oh. it's um, And just for the listeners out there, I'm not talking about my child at this moment, of course. <laughs> little disclaimer there. But raising a teenager will bring you to your knees. Mm. I mean, you... More it, than raising a toddler? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. So oh, yeah. To We're screwed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're totally screwed. I mean, big kids, big problems. I mean, mm. raising a toddler, the worst thing that can happen is they, like, fall and poke their eye out, which is pretty bad. That's pretty bad. No, it's pretty bad, but it's nothing like, you know... Ending I mean, up in jail right. or well, I mean, a crashing friend of a car. A, a friend of mine's daughter ran away a couple of weeks ago. Oof. And it was the most terrifying thing. It was one of my best friends. And she was gone all night. Wow. I mean, it's just the craziest thing. I mean, that is the scariest. That's probably longest the, night of that parent's life. Yeah, you know, longest night of my life. Mm. You know, just it is. It was just horrible. And you're just imagining all of these horrifying things. Mm. And you know, teenagers, their frontal lobe's not developed yet, and so yeah. they make these impulsive decisions that are just horrifying. Mm-hmm. And when they're behind the wheel of a car, or they're getting into a car with somebody else who's driving, the hard thing is the ego is very developed at yes. that point, and so they but, have a yeah. sense of they know everything and like. I know everything there is to know. Of right. course, this is an okay decision to make. You right. can't tell me what to do. Right. Yeah. It's a horrible moment it's, to, to yeah, shepherd somebody through because it's ego. It's also, they just don't know enough about the world to know mm. that really terrifying things happen. But they happen. do, and that's the dangerous bit. They think they, they do. do they, they think they know. They yeah. think they know everything. And yeah. they don't have a lot of impulse control. So it's really, you emerge a different person, a better person, a softer, nicer more empathetic person. Well, that's but, that's good. And Boy, extremely stressed. <laughs> it, 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 a level that is pretty stunning. Yeah. Wow. Well, we have that to look forward to. Yes, you do. In about 10 yes, years. you do. <laughs> going to be dragging this time out. Save, save this little moment and play it in about 10 years. And you'll be like, you're right. It's yeah. kind of horrible. That's true. <laughs> I have a question for you just talking about family and women in the workplace. Do you think that we we are transitioning into an era where women are generally focused on their careers a little bit more? And I'm noticing a trend where, at least in our circles and in in LA, women tend to put off baby making and family a little bit later in life. Do you think that women pushing themselves to drive their careers as a forefront important thing in their life is affecting the family values and family structure in society? You know, I, I think it's really complicated. I think no matter which path women take and when they plan child rearing, they're, they're just kind of screwed. It's, it's really tough. There's it's no really perfect plan whatsoever. Um, I think that women parent differently when they have a baby at 40. That's true. They, they parent very differently. More mindfully. I think a little bit more mindfully. I think um, maybe sometimes a little bit more of the helicopter parent. Yes. They waited so long to have this one child. They usually have one if you're starting at, you know, 42, 43. You probably have one. That child kind of becomes the center of everything, mm. which isn't great for the mom or the kid. Or um, they're so deep into their career that they're not fully invested in being a parent. That, that could be another um, option maybe, as well. Maybe, although I think my friends who put it off until their early 40s, who were very invested in their career, a lot of them just decided they didn't really want to have children. 
They came mm. to the realization that it wasn't the path they wanted, that they, if, it, if they had really wanted it, they would have done it earlier. So sometimes when they're so far, you know, on that side, they realize they were making a choice. They just didn't know they were making a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And how, how about you as, to bring it back a little bit, to, uh, you're the mom of a son. Yes. And how, how do you think we can raise our boys to be more mindful of these issues that we're talking about now, which is, you know, the female equality and how to treat women right and how to not fall into the old patterns. Um, did you, did you have any ideas about that when you were raising your son? You know, um, I thought so. I thought so. Um, I, well, it's interesting. There's a really raunchy kind of humor that exists now that's way more out there than it was when I was a child. And there's, you know, the stuff you see on YouTube and the comedians they follow. I mean, there's there's a lot of trash talking that's pretty extreme. And I, my son is really funny. And I did go through some times where I thought, oh my gosh, oh, I thought I was raising this, you know, politically correct, sensitive soul. And not so much when it comes to the humor, you know. <laughs> and I just, anything flies these days is true. It does. I mean, there's a different level of humor. And I, you know, I remember one day many years ago we were running an errand downtown, and I said, it "Seems funny to me now," but I said, "Oh, we got all this extra food. Let's take it to the Occupy people." And my son was horrified. He's like, what is wrong with these people? He's like, even animals know you don't like poop in your own nest. And there's like no sanitation. Like they have no coherent platform. They're filthy, dirty. They're all going to die of disease. Like this is disgusting, which wasn't the reaction I thought I was going to get. Right. But then he got a little older and I stopped listening to what he was saying sometimes. And I started looking at what he was doing. And I started looking at the women that he chose as partners, and they are so awesome. I can't mm, believe it. Subconscious programming from well, Mama Bear. I think it's really just, you know, you can trash talk a lot and you can be the funny guy, but I really see the values I instilled in him when I look at the women that he chooses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just so amazing and smart and mm. nice, and they stand up to him all the time. Well, with they're a mom amazing. like you, I'm sure he can handle yeah. a pretty smart woman. And that's kind of what he chooses. Yeah. Well, that's you know? good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You've affected him on sub- such a deep level. Exactly. So subconscious I think, in his heart. Yeah. That's going to show up in, of course, the women he chooses right. and how he treats them. So I think, the, you know, to the women listening out there, if your son is kind of trash talking and you worry that you raised a Neanderthal, <laughs> like, probably not. Call Katie. She'll give probably, you some no, advice. No, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> just don't respond so much to what's on the surface. Just let it go. Just laugh with him. Just let it go. And just but then look at how... They actually treat the women in their lives. That's a good point. And, and a lot of the time, they put it up a different face to the mothers. Of course. Than, than how they are when you're not looking. Of course. I was at, I was, I have a three-year-old son, Valentine, and I was picking him up from preschool yesterday. And I love to just hang back and watch him before he knows I'm, I'm yes. there. And I'm yeah, watching yeah. him. There's yeah. so many sweet moments that you catch, which I notice when I'm there, he puts on a bit of a bravado right, and, right. you know, cheekiness and falls into our dynamic. And I was watching him and there was this sweetness and politeness and confidence that a lot of the time when I'm in his space, he hides behind me and doesn't have the opportunity to exercise that. And there was, I had such a proud moment when I realized that how I'm teaching him, mainly how I am showing up, how I'm being as a human, he's taking that and it's affecting him on a level that when he, it just comes out, it's part of his nature. I'm imprinting more than I realize just by being a good person myself. Exactly. And it's, yeah, such a sweet moment. 
It's yeah. really great. It really is. And remember, when when boys are teenagers, their primary job is to separate from their mother. It's that's true. it. And in all children, in all oh, children, and particularly, hot. it's the cross gender. Yeah. You know, so it's um, the boys. They really have to define themselves differently. That's their job. That's the job of adolescents: figuring out who you are, separate from your parents and even your peer group and everything else. And that can be kind of a horrible process. But it, you're so wise to look at who he is in the world without you, mm. because. They spend most of their time without you. And, and they need to be able to be okay without exactly, you. Exactly, know? exactly. And I think if they are, if at home, they're a holy terror. But, <laughs> you know, other people say... Oh, you, how you know, polite your kid right. is. <laughs> that means, see, that's the real person. Yeah. It's who they are outside in the world. With you, it's just what, exactly what you said. It's, it's a different dynamic. Mm. It's so true. That's why I think that point you made where, um, you know, just noticing how your son's evolving his perspectives on these things we're talking about. But to me, what I heard in that is one of the most important things is, is for you to just live your truth and for you to represent women's rights and equality and really voice woman, that. And yeah, yeah be yeah. a strong woman yourself. And in that, it's not just about your son. In that, wherever you go, you're this beam of light representing that. And I think that people can't help but um, be affected by that. Mm-hmm. And that I think as a um, collective, that's that's one of the main things we can do to make a difference on a topic like this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Is there any other questions, Jenny, you want to throw at Katie? I mean, she she knocked I, all my questions out of the park. <laughs> Absolute ninja. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. You are just such an inspiring wealth of uh, everything amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. My pleasure. It's incredible to have you. Amazing. So thank you as well for joining us today. If you're listening, we really appreciate your support. And with your support, we can grow and we can hopefully bring more light and love to the world. So good work, team. (laughs) And if you like today's episode, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share. Share the love. And we'll have you with us next time. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.